Welcome to Crit Like a Girl, where it's all sugar, spice, and everything dice. Titties is a weekly tabletop role-playing podcast run entirely by people of marginalized genders. Queer, feminist, hilarious, and most importantly, fun. Our D&D campaign is run by dungeon goddess Charlene Bear and features themes of post-apocalyptic battle royales, revenge, love affairs, puzzling challenges, and horrifically hilarious carnivals. New this year, Titties by Night, a Vampire the Masquerade V5 campaign. Story told by Kelly Wright, this show follows a vampire coterie of supernatural investigators in Victorian London. All our shows have professional actors, intricate editing, and storylines that keep you coming back for more. For more information, visit our website at tabletoptitties.com. And whenever we say tabletop titties, that's with double D's if you know what we mean. Last time on Crit Like a Girl, the group makes their way to the meeting to try and discuss where Sindri may have gone, receiving gold for their winnings, and the moonbeam blessing. From there, they head to a flower shop, where Jinx gathers supplies to craft a barrel wreath to express her condolences to the families of those that didn't make it. Sildwen takes the time to collect a seed and help Jinx with her wreaths, and they go on to pay their respect to the families. And that is where this week's story begins. So you all head towards the main road and towards the mayor's office. This is a building that you, Jinx, are familiar with, having been in it before. I don't believe the rest of you have been here as of yet. So you enter into a small sitting room with, you know, fairly nice chairs and and a table. There is a, a woman familiar to you sitting up front and as you enter with Sirena in the lead she looks up and just gestures to his office in kind of a go-ahead motion and Sirena leads you through opening the door and I believe we have completed our rounds but if there is to be discussion had about doing something to try and uh, repair the ceremony as best as possible and the mayor who is kind of slouched in his chair and has kind of his his head in his hand and looks very tired sits up kind of shakes but like bodily shakes off what looks like tiredness or or just something negative and and smiles and right yes of course uh it it is wonderful for you to offer especially after everything else you've done for us but uh I, I think I think we should be able to do this we uh we can get some seeds and I think it might be best to do this outside of town I'm not entirely sure exactly what we're planning on doing but since you implied you had another moonbeam I I think maybe not bringing that down unexpectedly in the middle of the city would possibly be best 
Sildwen would hold up her little packet of grape seeds. She's like, I asked about these when we visited the flower shop, so I have a packet of grape seeds already. I was told that this is the one that you use, so we're good on that, Brent. And yes, I can call down a moonbeam. Right, wonderful, wonderful. And he, you know, claps his hands together, and I believe Phineas is indisposed at the moment. Hello! Yes. Yes, we had uh, uh, previously discussed your your aptitude for clerical abilities, then I I suppose then yes, that would that would do nicely. Um, I'm not entirely sure if Phineas even uses a spell, much less what spell he uses, but I mean, if all you do is pray, I know how to pray. I am very good at it. If what you need is worshipper, I am the best at worshipping Kiabani. So we're fine, right? Also, you look really tired. If you had let me bless this place, you would feel much more rested. Miss Jinx, I don't know your last name. Miss Jinx, honestly, after after the Jinx Falufaloof. Thank you. Fal- what? Falufaloof. That's quite a name. Of course. Are are you are you sneezing? <laughs> Ble- bless you. Ooh. Yes, Jinx Achoo. I like it. Oh no. No? Not a good one? Should it be more? Ha! <laughs> Last names aside, um, I'm sure that your worship of your goddess will, will do quite nicely in place of Phineas's assistance with this matter. Um, right. As we've discussed, I think it will do better. Right. Shall we? And he, he will stand up and, and kind of after you gesture at the door, Sirena will, will very briefly pull him aside and, and murmur something very quietly to him. And he nods and she... Right. Well, uh, this is where I leave you for the day. Please, if there's anything else you need, I will be at the guardhouse for another very long shift. Please, do not hesitate to come get me if you need me. And she will leave the mayor's office. The mayor leads the four of you out to the sitting area, looking at his assistant and just, we will be back very shortly. If anyone comes to speak to me in that time, please let them know that I should return within the hour. And of course, I am always here to hear uh, anything they might need to speak to me about. And she kind of nods and, and jots down uh, a note. Well, I believe we have some open space to the south of town where the tournament was being held, actually. That might be a, a suitable area. Wonderful. Please lead the way. Um, yeah, he, he does so, leading you um, south out of town um, along the main road to the area where you were in the fights um, only uh, two days prior at this point. It's not actually been very long. Um, the seating has been deconstructed somewhat, though the wooden fences are still up and the ground around it is kind of mildly trampled, showing like that people have been walking around here in mass. But he leads you to actually the, the center of the tournament area where there is that large, like 60 foot open space. I'm not entirely sure what to do in this situation. I've been mostly just following protocol up till now, but I suppose typically we have 
Phineas blessed the seed first, and then I'm not entirely sure what I'm doing here, to be quite honest. You're here to I, maybe just help tell us if it works. I don't know what the final effect is supposed to be, but we're going to improvise. We'll see if we can't help the blessing for the year. Sildwyn would take one of the seeds from the little packet she has, and she's got it cupped in her palms. Like, they've told her enough about it that she's pretty confident that what she's doing will will do maybe something. She's not sure. But, like, uh, cups one of these seeds in her palms and kind of holds it out to Jinx to, to bless as she holds it. Okay. Let's see. Um... I'm kind of running low on flowers. She takes the one that Poppy stole um, earlier out of her hair and sets it down and starts kind of like collecting flowers from different places. Um, and a couple of rocks she takes out of her bag, gives him like a little bit of a polish and puts the seed kind of in the center and goes, Hello, Kiavani. It is me. So, you know... It was like the crossroads blessing that you wanted me to go to, or at least the crossroads to find four other people. And guess what? I did it, and guess what? It was awful. But I did it anyways. So now we are here, and we're trying to help them again, like you wanted. So, or maybe like you wanted. Sometimes you're hard to understand, but it's okay. You're powerful. I get it. You don't have always time to talk to me and come visit me. That's fine. So anyways, back to the point. So... The, like bad guy that we fought they like kind of ruined this, this seed and now we're trying to make a new one so we're trying to make it to where these people can like have plants and growth and good growth and i want to imbue all of your beauty and nature and divine growth into this seed and she'll get up and she'll start dancing with the seed and just kind of swaying and kind of lightly humming. Sultan's just kind of standing back watching this happen. Poppy will have a deep frown on her face that kind of appeared when the flower got stolen from her hair. She seems like she might be upset, but she's not saying anything. Zuri's just going to lean over next to Poppy and pat her on the shoulder and go, We'll get you a new one. As Jinx dances, you actually see the seed in your hands begin to kind of very, very subtly crack open and the very first bit of like greenery begin to peek out of it and you you hand it to Sildwen. Sildwen smiles down at the little seed. She takes it back. She thanks Jinx and she asks everybody to please take a healthy step back at least before she even asks completely poppy's just like gonna run at least 20 feet backwards because she already know what that feel like so, so will zuri because she don't want none of that no more she will also call upon kiavani she does so a little more formally she 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 would say Kiavani, and she would name any, I don't think we have any official names for them, but any minor gods or goddesses of growth, farming, or or plant life. Call upon their names and ask them to please bless this humble little seedling. She would cast 
druidcraft on it so that it's so that the beginning of the sprout would be a little more so it's got like a little bit of roots a little bit of vines um it's significant enough that she can kind of she makes this little this little bare patch of dirt that she moves around with her hands just enough so that she can set the seedling on top of it and then set it on top of this mound of dirt and also step back so that she can cast Moonbeam on that five-foot radius space. The Moonbeam comes crashing down this radiant column of light pouring down from the sky and, and filling the space around the seed and you can see where Sildwin has made it grow, where there's these little bits of vine beginning to grow. You can see them almost, almost flexing, like pulsing with this energy as, as it hits it. And the moonbeam does actually begin to scorch the grass around it, but the seed itself seems to be absorbing most of this radiant em- energy that pours over it. How many of you are within 30 feet of no, this? No, no, no. Sildwin is. Sildwin is? Is anyone else? Nope. Negative. Then just Sildwin. Oh, okay. Uh, roll a d6. Who has the unholy symbol on them? Jinx was kind of far away prepping a healing spell, and then she was like holding her healing symbol, and she went, oh no, the other holy symbol, the unholy symbol, and she starts running. No explanation. Okay. What do you think it feels like when Sildwin casts her spells? Honestly, I imagine it almost like an an empathic connection with the earth, the plants around her. Like she she calls out and asks for nature to respond to her, and it sometimes answers. It probably feels almost like a conversation. She would call out and hope that something responded. So casting this moonbeam, you call out to the world around you, to to nature and plant life, and you feel them respond, obviously not with words, but you, you feel the life of all of the plants around you, and you feel the life of this seed that you are imbuing with this power, and you feel in this radiant energy just a very gentle touch, just very gentle, just kind of almost like an invisible hand reach forward and just kind of lay a finger in the middle of your forehead. In your mind's eye, you feel that touch in the center of your forehead and in your mind's eye, almost like a vision. You can see what is around you normally, but overlaid with it, you see kind of this almost shimmering, illusion-like scene begin to fill the like glowing light of the moonbeam. And you can see this kind of like imagery in it, almost like a, a projector. And you see a mountain, this enormous mountain, bigger than any mountain you've ever seen. And you've you've seen plenty of mountains. You grew up in a forest not far from a mountain range. But you see this mountain and it is snow-covered. Underneath this mountain, you begin to see, at first what you think might be the roots of a tree, but then you realize that they're tunnels. They're like a cave system beneath this mountain. And in the heart of it, you see 
this pulsing light of different colors, blues and greens and purples and reds, all tangling and twisting on this blackened background. And then the lights shoot outwards in seven different rays. You pick one of the rays and you follow the green ray. It's very hard to follow as the world zips by extremely quickly through forest and through fields and along roads. And eventually you see a much smaller mountain with these waterfalls pouring down in this glade. And there is a man sitting in this glade. He looks like an elf, but you being an elf, you would know that he's hes almost more fae than he is elf. He's, he's definitely leaning into a kind of very old, very natural-based elf. And he opens his eyes, and when he opens his eyes, they are that deep, vibrant, pulsing green. And at his feet, as he opens his eyes, you see this kind of rot begin to spread out from the ground around him. And then the image fades, and it is just the moonbeam. But you definitely feel almost like you've just woken from a dream. So rot spreads from his feet when he opens his eyes. Well, that's a trip because Zildwin would definitely be like, oh, look at this wonderful, like, very natural man. Why the heck is what? No, rot? No, no. And so it's like all hopeful and this is kind of wonderful and then just horror. Really quick, roll me a perception check. When you were watching these rays, before you you picked which one to follow, you were kind of looking at all of them as they began to spread out in these different directions. You did notice that two of them were very close together, almost intertwined. The purple and the, the orange one kind of twisting together. And before you turn to follow the green one, you would notice the purple continuing forward and the orange kind of fizzling out. And uh, after a minute, the moonbeam fades and you are left with this seed that is definitely much more grown than it should have been between all of the work y'all put into it. But also you can almost, especially you, Sildwen, can feel it pulsing with life. I think it worked, Mr. Mayor. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you. Uh, Thank you so much. Um, I hope that didn't take too much out of you. Yeah, she would kind of blink a little bit and rub like kind of the side of her head. Just be like, I'm fine. That, thanks. Everything's totally great. Jinx is still like booking it. Hey, come back! Can I hear her? You can probably hear her, yes. <laughs> okay, she's gonna sit, like, kind of put her hands on her knees, go, uh, I'll be right there, and kind of just really slowly walk back. Sildon is going to offer to the mayor to pick this now magical seedling up and uh, ask where they plant it. She will help plant it. Right. Yes. We uh, we usually plant it just to the north of town. There's there's a small spot that uh, is kind of central to some of the larger farms in the area. Uh, and, and he will lead you. You do have to walk all the way back through town. And he does lead you about 10 minutes north of town. There's a small area, not quite halfway to the Rosewater Winery. There, There is a small spot and you see that there are already several, it seems like several different people because 
there is no order to this whatsoever. It looks like a bunch of people might have just come out here at various points and like dug up a handful of dirt, plunked a flower in there. You don't even know if some of these have roots and just kind of covered it back and left. You assume this is some sort of possibly mildly drunken tradition. Sylvan um, is still horrified by all of this and this will all be corrected before she's gone. There is a, a clear spot in the center with, with a little like wooden plaque that's set into the ground a little bit. And the mayor gestures and it's uh it started with with us of course just planting the seed, but some people want to believe they're helping in their own ways. She will take the seedling, which she has walked through town with, cradling like a child. This is this is precious to her now. And she will plant it in the space allotted, digging out a little bit of a space, enough of a like she's she doesn't care about getting her hands dirty, so she'll make sure that there's enough of a space dug out and she will carefully cover its roots. and and instruct the mayor to appropriately care for it as necessary. You plant this seed, and as you cover it with dirt again, all of you can make me a perception check. Jinx and Sildwin make it with advantage. It's very subtle, but Sildwin, with your innate connection to plant life and around you, and Poppy with that like bit of your heritage that connects you to the earth itself, you feel this very mild pulse of something spread through the ground around you and then and then it's gone and you are just standing around this uh weird little garden that people have created sildwin would beam she is very happy she would turn back to the mayor and say sir despite everything your harvest will be bountiful this year and then she's going to go about and replant all of these drunkenly planted flowers and make sure that they're not going to fucking die. Jinx will see you and she'll go start helping. Just kind of sit down for a little bit with you and do that. Poppy will actually also walk over and start helping with this because she a nature loving lady. Y'all are all gardening. Sari's going to go find a nice spot to sit and just start singing. Just like the seed, I don't know where to go. Through dirt and shadow I grow. I'm reaching light through the struggle. Just like the sea, I'm chasing the wonder. I unravel myself in slow motion. You cannot eat money, oh no. You cannot eat money, oh no. When the last tree has fallen and the rivers are poisoned, you cannot eat money, oh no. Oh, suffocate me so my tears can be rain. I will water the ground where I stand so the flowers can grow back again. Cause just like the sea, everything wants to live. We are burning our fingers, but we learn and forgive. Oh, 
You cannot eat money, oh no. You cannot eat money, oh no. When the last tree has fallen and the rivers are poisoned, you cannot eat money, oh no. It is progressing towards evening uh, by the time you have finished beautifying the area around this planted seed. What do the four of you choose to do for your evening's rest? Go back to the tavern? Yeah, if if they could. I imagine that the mayor or anybody else won't really have use of us right now. So they're like, we're, we're basically, they're done with us. They're like, okay, thank you for your help. And and we're good, right? Uh, the mayor did at some point during this gardening session excuse himself to go take care of other things that were needed in town, leaving just the four of you. It wasn't a dismissal so much as just he's busy and has a lot of things to deal with. But you have all been promised by Lysander's daughter at this point that you are welcome to stay as long as you need to and that as long as you stay, everything you wish for is essentially free through her. Sildwin would ask that they at least stay sober enough as they head back to the inn um, that she can talk with them first because she's had an experience. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I just need a, we need to get a room or something so that I can talk with you guys privately. It's not something that I... Uh, would especially like to discuss out in the open or in public. I have an entire cellar. An entire... Oh, right. You've been sleeping in the cellar mostly. I mean, I suppose that would work as long as it's private. I have not been disturbed, but I remember that Lysander told me that if anybody ever needed to come in there, that they could. So they might. So maybe not my cellar? Does one of us have a private room? Yeah, I also have a room. Could we use one of those before you get drunk for the evening? I mean, yeah, that's fine. Okay. I think you did a very good job, baby dear. (laughs) So the four of you head back into town. The Gold Model Gallery is, of course, open. It is far less crowded than you have seen it in days previous. Um, As you walk back into town along the main street to get to it, you do see a few stragglers kind of making their way out out of the town leaving it looks like most of the crowd that came for the tournament and the celebration are now heading back home and as you head into the gold medal gallery there's a couple of people sitting around but the the whole air is one of more calm than you've you've sensed in the last several days that you've been here lysander is behind the counter still sitting on a bar stool and his daughter is bustling around and kind of shooting him glares every time he tries to get up and do anything. But as you come in, she waves to you from where she's helping a man at a table, taking some orders from him. And uh, Lysander smiles as you all enter and looks around and just... All right, well, we're going to enjoy your company for another night. You can enjoy our company as long as you want, Lysander. Well, you're welcome to stay for for as long as needed. Um, I do believe I will only be staying for another evening at best. I think it's best that I start moving on um, 
as soon as possible, but I appreciate your hospitality. It's very kind. Uh, Miss, you honestly have not been staying. You've ordered like four meals. Uh, More than happy to oblige. Yes, thank you. Right. Well, um, anything that I can can get for the four of you? He looks at you, Jinx. There, there is uh, more open rooms now if you would like one for the night rather than staying in the cellar. It is okay. I cannot afford one. You've done more for me than I could ever pay back. A room is not much to offer. Room is a lot to offer. Rooms are stuffy most of the time and beds are beds. Beds are beds. Would it make you feel better? Would it make me feel better for you to... St- I, you are allowed to stay wherever you want. I'm not going to stop you. You're welcome to continue sleeping in my cellar. I just thought you might want something a little more not underground. No, it is okay. Very comfortable. Right. Well, what what can I get for uh, the four of you? Anything to eat? Anything to drink? I apologize. I don't mean to interrupt you, Lysander. It's just, if we can, I need to take the ladies upstairs and discuss something important with them very quickly, and then I will send them back down to, to get whatever they would like. And he just gestures to the stairs. Right, right. That, but you know you know what I want, Lysander, eh, buddy? Not right now! Zuri's gonna shove Poppy and go, can you wait? Yeah, I was talking about when we come back down. God. She's just planning ahead, I guess, but not not right now. Well, when you uh, come baby, back down, I'll provide you whatever you need. I'll meet you there, okay, baby dear? You do not have to worry about me getting drunk. I'll come in two minutes. Fine. It's like herding cats. Right, well, we'll meet you upstairs then. And yeah, I'm pretty sure I don't have to worry about you getting drunk. All you've had is juice thus far, that I remember at least. And hot cocoa. It was hot very cocoa. good. Okay. Fair oh, Lysander, I left it in your basement. You may have ants. I didn't finish it. Oh, I'll I'll, t- I'll take a look. Well, I will take a look as as soon as my loving daughter allows me to do much around here. <laughs> Side eyeing his kid from across the room. Sildwen would try to shuffle Zuri and Poppy upstairs. Okay, Jinx will wait until like everyone has gone upstairs, and she'll kind of turn towards Lysander, and. Lounge on the bar top and go. Tell me, are you doing okay? Yeah, I'm. I'm doing all right. Thank you for asking. I uh, I know there's are others that aren't doing quite so well as I am, but really, I think I got the the least uh, whatever it was. But I don't think anyone's asked the same of you. How are How are you feeling? I know what. Right. So you all I know did. that a lot of people were staying at your place. So, when you were, you know, not here because you were like, ooh, um, did people pay for their rooms? Honestly, I, I haven't, I haven't checked. Again, not the, uh, the biggest of my worries right now. I know I have some, some payment. I might be short a little bit and I'll figure that out when, uh, I do some more accounting, but it's not been the first thing on my mind. Right. Okay. She'll kind of dig through her coin purse and she'll take out 20 gold pieces and she'll go, have a good night. Um, and she'll just like put them on the table and run up the stairs. Jinx, he calls after you for a moment. Do you bother stopping? No, just up the stairs. Uh, you head upstairs. What room are, would Sildwin have herded everybody to? 
either Zuri's or Poppy's. I'm not sure, like probably whichever one was closer or whichever one pointed out their room first. Let's go with Zuri's. So we'll shuffle everybody into Zuri's room. So you, you shuffle everyone into Zuri's room. A few minutes later, Jinx joins you. She shuts the door. She makes sure the window is closed and she turns to them and she goes, all right. So you know that whole thing with the seed and the moonbeam, right? And you guys backed up like a lot and Jinx just sprinted away. Yeah, I remembered that I had like the um, unholy symbol. So I didn't want it to be close. Yeah. Which is a very good idea. Thank you. But I was the only person that was like close to it in any way. I wasn't in range of being injured or anything, but as I stood next to it, I had, uh, you know, a vision sort of thing, you know, like kind of like the dreams. It reminded me a lot of the dreams, but I didn't want to go talking about it in public because that sounds weird. People don't usually just see things. So essentially what happened was I felt something like as if something reached out from the power in the moonbeam. Probably Cygnus or Kiavani or or one of the goddesses um, in, in which I hold reverence. But it felt like something reached out and touched a finger to my forehead. And when it did, I saw things. I saw a mountain. Uh, and, and beneath this mountain was like th- this network of roots. But they weren't roots, they were tunnels beneath this mountain, um, a cave system. And in the center of the cave system, there was this tangle of, of light, all different colors of light, twisting together on in, in darkness. And as I was watching it, um, all the lights, this tangle, uh, they shot in different directions. It was seven different rays moving in seven different directions. As they all separated, um, it was a different color in every direction except for purple and orange. It, It was difficult to see because my vision seemed to follow a specific trail of light. But as my perception turned to follow the green ray of light, I noticed that purple and orange were closer together than the others. The orange light seemed to fizzle out, but the purple one continued forward. My, my theory is is that the seven rays of light symbolize the seven different spikes on that unholy symbol, or the, the seven different people that we've been trying to track down. So I think that that orange light might have symbolized a lack, but that's not where it ends. Uh, my perception followed the green light. And, and it was hard to see where I was going or where it traveled, but it was forests and fields and roads, and it was going so fast. And, and I came to this smaller mountain, and there were waterfalls and a beautiful glade. It seemed really peaceful. Actually, it, it, it gave me a sense of serenity. And in the middle of this glade, a man sat. He appeared elven, but not quite elven, uh, like something older or more fey than, than I am, even. He, he seemed old and connected to, to the earth, to the world. Everything seemed like a paradise, honestly, to me. 
But then his eyes opened and they were this deep, vibrant, pulsing green. And and where his feet touched the ground, rot spread through the earth. And it was horrifying. And everything he touched just fell apart. And that's kind of where it ended. So I think what I might have seen is another one of the people associated with Sindri and Alak, but I don't know where he is or or how to find him. Just that what he touched died. Zari's gonna speak up and go, are, are you sure it was a person and not possibly a god? I don't know. I don't... I don't know, but with... <sighs> With the seven spikes on the unholy symbol, and the fact that we have decided that that this is that w- when Alak died, one of those spikes disappeared. So it has to be that. I mean, the number and the orange light disappearing—it doesn't seem to be a coincidence. I, I don't believe that it is. Whether God or or man or a being so old that perhaps he embodies something like a god, he's part of this cult. I don't know what I think about that, but the earth rot at his feet, and I can't let it die. So you think we need to go find some mountains then, right? Well, that's what I would like to do. I don't know if you're going to follow me or if you want to take on this quest, but I can't just see something like that and let it happen. Uh, The goddess came to you. Of course I'm going to follow you. Also, I'm highly jealous, but it is okay. She'll come to me too. I know. I'll wait. But anyways, yes. Yeah, mate. Like, we can't just let something that like that sit. We, we gotta do something about it. Right. So, like, a mountain and a smaller mountain? Does that sound familiar to Jinx in any way? Her being a world traveler? Uh, yeah, you can make me a history check. You know there are mountains in various places. Ooh, um, can Zuri make a history check? I mean, you've heard stories. You know there are there's an entire mountain city to the far east. You know there is a a mountain to the far north that a lot of sailors kind of talk about because that entire area is super treacherous because once you get that far north, like ice flows don't melt even in summer, and so it's very hard to get supplies um and therefore not a lot of people live up there you also know there are are some smaller mountain ranges here and there but the large ones you would have heard of are either to the far north or the far east zero's gonna pop down on the bed kind of lean back and go i i know there is mountains to the east and i believe there is a mountain to the north if the stories I've heard from sailors is true. Now, whether there are glades and a whole bunch of trees around them, I don't know, but that's all I got. Sildwin, you didn't recognize this area. You would know that you are from a heavily forested area tucked between two mountain ranges. You didn't recognize the area, but you know there's a lot of places this could be. I think she would, yeah, she would express that. She she would be like, "I, I come from... A forest along this large mountain range. Um, she would be able to say then that, yeah, the oldest ones she knows of were to the northeast of the forest she was in, but she has no idea if that glade is anywhere in her forest or somewhere else. She would have to look at a map. Can you remember the way that 
you flew out of the mountain? Like what direction the glade was? Out of the giant mountain? Yeah. Would you know because that? if we can know, like, there's a glade next to this mountain, maybe that's the mountain we're supposed to go to? Because you left through this side? Does that make sense? Would she have any indication of what direction she was traveling? Like, everything moved by really fast, so I don't think she could tell, like, specific landmarks along the way, but would she get any directional indications? Yeah, you definitely couldn't tell how far it was traveling. You do know that most of most of the lights kind of, like, flew off in all different directions and then kind of circled around. You get the impression that you're maybe heading south southwest you're not sure how far or how long okay. we're traveling yeah so she she's like yeah i feel like i was traveling south or southwest you've traveled south is there forest south of the north or east does anybody on the map i don't i just travel like with gusts of wind and leaves so i don't know anything i haven't done much traveling and i don't have a map um i kind of the first time like I was born in a forest near that mountain range over there but I guarded a different forest and I kind of haven't left that at all except to come to this town so. maybe we trust in the goddess the greatest goddess of all and to just throw a leaf into the wind and see if it goes north or if it goes the other direction. I don't think that's how we should do that. Poopy, you're such a party pooper. <laughs> do you get it, Poopy? Party pooper? Oh my oh, god. Oh my god, this. Oh. Zuri, do you care which way we go? No. I. <clears throat> whichever way you think that the dream told you to go, or the vision, I guess, told you to go, we can it's go that way. kind of difficult when I don't know where the vision originated or where it went, aside from a general southern-ish direction. Um, uh, why don't we just go buy a map, you guys? If we're going to be traveling around, shouldn't we get one anyway? I guess. Yeah, that would probably be a good idea, and then we can try to mark potential places we could go and kind of figure it out that's fine with me okay um, so to buy a map so tomorrow we need to hit the market is what i'm understanding yes yes tomorrow we should hit the market find a map and then leave right right probably like other stuff too because like food I... is kind of important and who knows when we're gonna see stuff i mean like me and Pudge could hunt for food like no big deal but like you know provisions of some kind because who knows when we're gonna see another city none of us know fair point fair point there's always the chance that the goddess would bless us by giving us a caravan of her followers that happens to me a lot so what you're saying is we could possibly run into a caravan of your people because they're nomadic yes Oh yeah, they are. That's a good word for them. Nomadic. Okay, well that could help us get to where we need to go faster. Can 
you not get shit-faced tonight so that we can, you know, maybe actually get up before noon uh, and kind of move move along? That would be nice. What? What? Me? Uh, yeah? Yes, she stares very pointedly at Poppy, yes. <laughs> Are you sure? Like, you can just, like, one or two drinks, not twelve. Look, do you know who I am? What are... That's fine, mate. That's fine. You know, like, drinking is bad for you. That was a punch to the face, Jinx. I mean, not <laughs> very true. But sometimes drinking is worse. I don't know about that. You haven't had me punch your face yet. Have you seen what I do to people? Yeah, and you know, I'm real worried about that. But like, not scared. Perhaps the goddess should come visit you tonight so that you know what fear should really be like whenever you insult one of her devoted followers. Yeah, it's okay. I got this feeling like, you know, me and Fianma are a little kind tight, so like, it's fine. But Fianma is not the goddess, the creator of the earth, the flowers, the trees, the mountains, the flesh of your skin. No, but you do have to face them when you die. But, like, death versus life is such a tricky discussion. Right, well, anyways, uh, if we're done with this discussion, I'm gonna go get a drink. Thanks for listening to Crit Like a Girl. Cover art by Chester Cat. Opening and closing music by Brian Dockery. Background music from Freesound, Incompetech, and Tabletop Audio. Follow us on Twitter at Crit Like a Girl. That's girl without the I. Don't forget to check out our Ko-Fi where you can support the show and your favorite adventurers. If you have any questions, suggestions, or recommendations, email us at critlikeagirlpod at gmail.com.